0: What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. This is episode 24, and man, in the sports world, the past week or two, there's been so much stuff going on. I know we want to cover it all. We're not going to be able to, unfortunately, but we're going to get to a A few different things in this episode. Mike, what can the people expect? Oh my gosh. So much stuff
1: to talk about. And we literally can't hit it all. There's too much. Just know that a lot of stuff that we don't talk about today we'll eventually talk about as it becomes relevant. But things that we'll talk about today. We're going to talk about Matt Ryan. We're going to talk about March Madness. We're going to talk about baseball. And it only feels right to say this. last episode was episode 23 called it the Jordan episode and you would be crazy to think I'm not showing love to Kobe this is the Mamba episode episode 24 rest in peace my man Kobe but if we're gonna do one we gotta do the other so I had to show love there we're gonna kick this episode off right with off the top and if you're keeping track at home well it's not that hard to keep track of it every other time. So, it's my turn to present Dave with a prompt, and this is going to be a lot more open-ended than usual. I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on some on some things. Um, so, I said we we're going to talk about Matt Ryan. In other words, we we're going to talk about the Falcons, and that, you know, that really made me think about something. Failure. Uh, <laughs> That's it. Failure. So looking at the NFL specifically, we have I'm gonna break it down like this. We have the franchise as a whole from their like inception until present day. We have the um we have the owner, we have the GM, we got the coach, and I guess I'll add one more. We have players, which we'll talk about, and you know, some, let's say Bill Belichick just as an example, coach, are really, really successful. You have some that are complete and utter failures. But <laughs> yeah, you know, We could name any number of coaches. Uh, what, let's start with Joe Judge. I don't know. He's the first one that came, ahead, came to my mind. Uh, uh, sorry, Joe Judge. I don't care. Um, same thing with players, same thing with GM, same thing with owners, whatever. So what I want you to qualify is at what point do we consider a franchise successful or a failure? So let's start there. If we're looking at a franchise in the NFL, what do you think they have to do? Or let's say how often do you think they have to be competitive or even win a championship to be considered a successful franchise?
0: Well, I think any... So if you look at like the Steelers, I think the Steelers or the Patriots, both of them kind of went through a period of time where they like were a dynasty that that's kind of one, one level to it. And then there are other levels. Like if I think about a team like the Seahawks ever since Russell Wilson came into the league, they had not had a losing record until this past season. That's a different type of level of consistency. Um, where and they did end up winning a Super Bowl there as well um and lost one too but over that that period that's definitely successful then you can look at a team like the Falcons who for the most part um at least since I've been watching them had a you know kind of mid like eight and eight, nine and seven. Sometimes we did, we'd hit like 10 and six or something like that. And we were in the playoffs a decent amount, but not a ton. But when we finally made it to the Super Bowl, we all know what happened. We lost. I wouldn't call the Falcons a successful franchise because um, they haven't won a championship. So, so it's just different tiers, it's just different levels of what makes the franchise successful or not. Um, I don't think you have to be like the Patriots or the Steelers, even like the Bills, for instance. They had that that streak of like, what was it, like three Super Bowls in a row? I believe they lost all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think you call that successful because you didn't win. Is that what you were looking for, I guess?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think that qualifies. And I think a lot of what you said, just based on the timeframes that you presented, is going to go hand in hand with ownership. So let's skip to GMs because we're just going to whittle it down. If you hire a GM for your NFL team, do you think like, and I guess this applies to coaches as well, so you can talk about either, but do you think that success is based on like where the team was before or do you think any GM should have like the same bar or like coach should have the same bar
0: for like, you do this, you're successful, you don't do this, then you're a failure. Um, I mean, every GM is gonna come into a different type of situation. I think if if you're a GM, like if you're um Trent Balky of the Jags, and this it's your your this is your first year as a GM, you come in, you've got Trevor Lawrence, but you don't really have too many other great pieces. No disrespect to, like, Josh Allen or anybody. But, you know, what he's done is sign most of the good free agents. Not most, but, you know, he's signed a whole bunch of of the top free agents in this class to try to make them better, and he splashed the cash. I think that if the Jags go from three wins, like, so they went 3-14, and 14, I think if they went to more, like, seven and 10 and there was progression from Trevor Lawrence, the free agent signings made a big difference. You know, they were close in other games. It just couldn't quite go over the top, but you could see that there was momentum building. Then that GM is being successful. Ultimately, I think a championship is still, you know, it, it just is, is still what I determine as being successful. It's just how, like in what time frame it does it take you? Because you can only do with what you're. You know, you, you can only work with what you have. Maybe it's not your fault if like you've done a decent job building the team, but then they just replace. You know, they replace you because ownership wants results now or whatever. It's not really your fault. But I still think championship. But it just really depends on like the time frame of where you come in and and all.
1: I agree. I think where I stand for GMs and coaches is like there are exceptions to this, but like if I had to just put a general thing out there, I would say try to leave the team better than how you found it. Obviously, like if you get hired to be the next coach of the Patriots, you know you're not going to be better than Bill Belichick, probably. <laughs> um, so like that that would be a major exception or whatever. But like with what you can control don't mess things up uh either maintain the level of ex- of success or close to it that we've seen beforehand or like often especially if you're the coach make it better uh oh we um we fired this coach because we kept going eight and eight nine and seven you know whatever so we hired you to get us to that like 11 win season playoff push etc but now i was gonna ask about players but i feel like That's super vague. We don't know like when they're drafted, Uh, and maybe I was gonna say like a high draft pick, but even then, it's like the job of an offensive lineman. Take like a um, a Joe Thomas. Like that man was never winning, but he's one of the better offensive linemen ever. Um, so that's like hard to gauge. So let's focus on quarterbacks. Like if you get drafted at quarterback as a really high pick first round especially what do you think you have to do in your career or at least with that team that drafted you to be successful is your bar still championship you have to eventually produce that championship otherwise that pick was a bust
0: I think with the owners slash franchise the GMs you have a lot more control over the outcomes um Just because you have the ability to determine who is going to be on the roster or like how much money you're going to spend, et cetera, et cetera. As a player, you can only control your part. And of course, you can be like a leader. You can have a good influence on other players. Like a good quarterback is going to make receivers better, it's going to make his offensive line better, all that. But then there's still the whole defensive side. I mean, look at Matt Ryan, for instance. Matt Ryan has been a good quarterback maybe other than his MVP season not like a star one but a very good one to good one but his defense has rarely been good so and his defense is one of the reasons why they didn't win that Super Bowl Matt Ryan has no control over the defense over like half the game basically half the team so you can't expect him to be able to bring a championship to to your city, to your franchise. How many times have we talked about the Jets, and that's where the place where quarterbacks go to die? I mean, do I think Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Christian Christian Hackenberg, like, I can go on and on. Do I think that all those quarterbacks would have been more successful elsewhere? Yes, I do. Because they unfortunately got drafted by the Jets. And if you're a quarterback with a high pick, or being drafted by a high pick. You're probably not going to a great situation that's conducive to winning right away. For a quarterback, like you couldn't call Trevor Lawrence's first season successful. Um, I would call Justin Herbert's uh career so far as to, as successful um with what he's been able to do. But again, you, you kind of have to take a step back and and wait until you see their whole career play out.
1: You sort of beat me to the punch here because where I was going with this was Matt Ryan has left the Falcons. And I wonder, like, I I have my stuff to say about Matt Ryan, but I'm going to give you the chance first. And the reason is we've been on this podcast multiple times talking about Matt Ryan and his horrendous contract. Um, And the contract was horrendous. There's no debate. We – I couldn't even entertain someone that wanted to say that the contract itself was good. Um, But I would say, I don't know if good cop, bad cop is appropriate, but I've been a a little more defensive of Matt Ryan than you have in the past few years, um, the player. Um, But Matt Ryan drafted third overall back in 2008. He's eighth in career passing yards. Uh, ninth in passing touchdowns and I guess like you know he had the MVP season He we went to a Super Bowl didn't win it but you did mention like the defense all the other pieces and everything um, I wonder like whether or not to call his time in Atlanta a success now I guess to spoil it and then I'll let you talk I do consider Matt Ryan a success I'll talk more about him after you but I guess my reasoning for his success is like Did he have bad games? Sure. But over the course of his time in Atlanta, he did what he like, we did what we could ask him to do. Um, sure, he was never like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, or anything. But there weren't seasons where I was like, oh, we'd be so much better off with a quarterback not named Matt Ryan or something. What he could control, I feel like he did well enough. But over the last like six years, he's always been among, if not in the top three, in terms of like least amount of time to throw the ball in the NFL, his offensive line is trash.
0: But where do you stand on that, Matt Ryan's time in Atlanta? I think you've got to view it as a success uh, for what they drafted him to be. Especially after the whole Michael Vick incident, they really needed somebody to come in and be the next guy and and kind of take all of that. That whole scandal put it behind him, and like they trusted Matt Ryan to be that guy, and he was for fourteen years. Yes, he didn't win the Super Bowl. I don't think it was because of his performance at all he had a he had a good game, I mean, like you said, he had that m v p season, he made the Pro Bowl a few times, if anything, we talked about the contract, I think. <laughs> the contract was detrimental to the team because it meant that they couldn't sign a bunch of other players, namely pass rushers or better offensive linemen because he was taking such a big portion of the cap, but you can't expect this guy to be like, no, I don't want to be paid $30 million. Let me take 20. You can't, we can't all be Tom Brady and be married <laughs> to as, you know, multi, 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 multi million millionaire. In- model being your wife like I so I completely understand that for as far as what you want your franchise quarterback to be that's what he was and you know on the field off the field you know he was really good in the community good in the locker room Um, never I mean you never heard anything bad ever said about the guy you know so as far as somebody representing your franchise and being the face of your franchise I'm I'm glad that it was Matt Ryan. Um, sure it would have been nice if we if we could have gotten somebody like Aaron Rodgers even though Aaron Rodgers just probably isn't that great of a human being. They they want to they want to ring um and he's been he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, which Matt Ryan is not. I think what Matt Ryan has been is consistent that's that's the number one thing that I can say about him. He's barely missed any games over the course of the past decade. Um, I mean he's th- there's a reason why he's in the top 10 of a lot of these you know quarterback all-time stats. It's because he's been consistent not necessarily because he's been elite. I think we always have that that conversation of like is this guy elite or not I would I would call Matt Ryan at the peak of his powers elite. But for the first part of his career, the the, the later stages, I wouldn't say so. But was he was he a success in Atlanta? Of course he was. It's not his fault we lost that Super Bowl. He literally did everything he could that season. I mean, he was he was Aaron Rodgers for a season. You know, he was the best player in the league as far as the trade um, and the rest of that. I mean, I. I've been calling for this for a while. I know, like you mentioned earlier, I've been a lot harsher towards Matt Ryan than you have been over the past few years. And a lot of that just has been to do with the fact that he's being paid as a top three, top five quarterback, and he's not one. Um, I mean, except for that one season, he never has been. But I'm glad that it happened. I wish him all the best in Indianapolis. Um, I would not be mad to see the Colts you know, make the playoffs and maybe make a run. You never know. I think the AFC is like crazy good. Um, and, and we'll get to that. Uh, I'm sure we'll do a, um, a season preview of that later on. But, you know, I wish all the best for him in terms of the Falcons. You should have done this a while ago, um, but I'm glad you're doing it now. It looks really bad with the whole Deshaun Watson thing. It really does. Um, it should not have gone this way. I think they probably could have gotten more compensation for Matt Ryan if it didn't go this way, because everybody kind of knew, like, all right, you misplayed your hand, you didn't get Deshaun Watson, and now look at where you put Matt Ryan. And you know he's you're probably gonna want to trade him. Uh and so I mean, a third-round pick is kind of crazy for a franchise quarterback, but we have to remember he's 37, making way too much money. I'm completely cool with having that huge cap hit this year, being completely done with that contract for next year. Moving forward, we'll be able to do a lot more with that cap space. Maybe, like I mentioned, sign a pass rusher or two, um, improve the defense, and. It's not like the Falcons were really going to contend anyways this year or in the next year or two after that. It just wasn't going to happen. Tear it all down. Trade trade Grady Jarrett. Trade Dion Jones. Trade anybody who's not young and on a rookie contract. Get them all out of here. Let's tank. Number one pick overall, Bryce Young. Um, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, Matt Ryan, he was a success in Atlanta. I wish the best for him.
1: So, I agree it's it's the contract it's always been the contract or like you know the past few years whatever um and we've said on here before Matt Ryan is not the problem in Atlanta or was not the problem in Atlanta now his contract was but when Matt Ryan walks on the field it's not his like contract it's not his salary playing it's him and the skill is there elite no don't be fooled the Colts aren't getting an elite like top five quarterback and it's not quite like Stafford going to the Rams stafford is a better quarterback than matt ryan now yeah he he had the mVP season other and you said other than that he's not wasn't really top three it wasn't really top five no i I agree with that but he was pretty consistently top ten I'd say and if you get i mean you nailed it about like you know michael Vick that whole thing goes down. And the, the first quarterback we draft is Matt Ryan consummate professional for f- almost 15 years. And even his exit, like after, like, you know, we overplayed our hand about Deshaun Watson, he was even professional about that. He quietly goes to the management and says, okay, well, you know, like, can you just move me to a contender? Like can you move me, or like to a decent team? Can you move me? Like how about Indy? And they make it happen for him. And the reason for that is, and they probably settle for a third round pick honestly because, you know, there's so much respect in that organization for Matt Ryan. He was everything we want him to be. And Matt Ryan, when we did our top five favorite players of all time, Matt Ryan was not in mind. He probably would have been top 10 if we did, If we extended the list. he's He's one of my favorites ever. And so it's weird to see him go. But at age 36, with that monster contract that we needed to be rid of for the sake of like moving forward with our franchise, like it needed to be done. Um, but I'd be remiss if I didn't express like my appreciation for the the example that he set, the leadership that he brought, the consistency that he brought, the passion that he played with. I love Matt Ryan. I'm so glad, like, and proud to say that he was the Falcons quarterback for so long. So I think for all the times that we shit on his contract, I think it's it's worth saying a like fond farewell to Matt Ryan, and I will be pulling for Indy this season in
0: that regard. For sure. I mean, it's not like the Falcons are going to do anything. So, <laughs> hey, go Colts. Why not? Marcus Mariota, you absolutely destroyed Florida State in the college football playoff. <laughs> I haven't forgotten about that 2014. My goodness, that was absolutely horrible. Um, but... Maybe you can recapture some of that magic uh, because you were dominant that day. You haven't been dominant in the NFL so far. I'm happy with just signing him to see what happens. All I'm going to say is Falcons do not, I repeat, do not draft a quarterback with the number eight selection in this upcoming draft. Please. Thank you very much. Now, while we're expressing appreciation, for Atlanta sports icons, I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about former Atlanta Brave Freddie Freeman.
1: Oh, that just sounds so wrong.
0: What sounds even worse, Nothing, I was about to say, is it's about to get worse. current Los Angeles Dodger Freddie Freeman. Ugh, I just, I just barfed in my mouth a little bit.
1: I was literally about to say, I just threw
0: up in my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we pretty much cover NFL, NBA, college basketball, college football on this podcast. Occasionally we'll go into other sports, mostly for the hot seat. Um, but we pretty much just stick to those two. Baseball has, and always will be a very special thing for me. That's what I grew up watching as a kid. Um, specifically the Braves. I've been a Braves fan for longer than I've been a fan of anything else. And us winning the World Series last year was a dream come true for me. Um, I know I talked about it on a previous episode. I'm not sure what episode that was, but um, that was just really, really special. And Freddie Freeman was a huge part of the reason why that happened. I know that if you've been following it at all, if, if you're not a Braves fan, but or a baseball person, then that's cool. But if you're a baseball or Braves fan, I'm sure you've seen all the stuff that's kinda gone down um in the recent weeks, pretty much the last week or so, with Freddie leaving us trading to get Matt Olson and, you know, whose fault was it that he didn't re-sign? Was it Freddie's agent? Were the were the Braves just not really interested in re-signing him? etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. If you take the emotions out of it, the Braves did the right thing. I think if you include the emotions, which it's hard not to, it's just kind of hard to stomach him leaving in that fashion. Um, where he's obvi- he obviously feels a certain way, the Braves feel a different way, and now he's going to arguably one like the Braves most like their hottest rival right now, like their biggest rival. Like sure. We hate the Mets. We hate the Phillies. We don't really like the Cardinals. We don't like the Nationals, the Marlins (laughs) we just beat up on every year. Um, But like the Dodgers, we've met them in the NLCS two years in a row. They've, we've met them in the playoffs three years in a row. They got the best of us the first two times. We got him last year and won the whole thing. They won the whole thing in 2020. So it's kind of been Braves versus Dodgers. This is a major thing. And to see him go there and the first time we play them is going to be pretty tough, which I believe is actually going to be next month. I believe we play the Dodgers in April. So that's going to be pretty interesting. I'm super excited about the Braves this year. Um, I, I think Matt Olson is a tremendous pickup but it's going to be hard to see Freddie in another uniform for sure. And I would say I wish him the best, maybe individually, but I kind of hope that he just kind of has a shitty season and the Dodgers suck. uh, And he wishes that he was back here (laughs) to be honest with you. But I mean, I'm definitely an Atlanta guy first and foremost. And you know, Freddie, obviously I appreciate everything that I said about Matt Ryan. I'll echo. Um, I think Matt Ryan and Freddie Freeman actually have a lot of similarities in terms of very, super consistent. Bent, you know, you can always count on them. Great on and off the field. Um, you know, make up off the charts. Except Freddie Freeman, I think is probably better if you compare them. Um, and he actually brought Atlanta the championship that we so so longed for and deserved. Obviously I appreciate that very much and I'm going to miss them. But we got to move on. I'm happy with the guys we got and I'm excited for for this season. But it's kind of crazy. Matt Ryan and Freddie Freeman, I mean, those two and I guess Trey Young now are like those are the three Atlanta guys. And two of them are gone in the space of like a week, two weeks. I mean, I feel like Atlanta Sports has been in the headlines more than we've been in forever (laughs) that I can remember. Um, So it's just kind of crazy to see both of these guys leaving. But, you know, like I said, wish them all the best. Maybe not Freddie this year. um, But, you know, Braves will be fine. Falcons, (laughs) I mean, uh, I'm not even going to go into it. So. Obviously, you have
1: way more experience watching the Braves than I do. But as long as I've ever, like, cared about the Braves, and by cared, I mean, like, at all, in terms of, like, if there's a baseball team that I root for, it's them. Not, like, religiously follow or anything. But Freddie's been on first. Like, that's what I know about Braves baseball. <laughs> that's all I know about it. Um, no, but that's, like, my, uh, that's been my constant. And like with Matt Ryan, there isn't really a better guy be that in terms of his like ability as a player or his character as a man. Like there isn't really a better guy to ask for than Freddie Freeman. And yeah, it sucks that he's leaving, but what better like way to head out than like giving us that championship on his way out, I guess. Um, I think there's like a ton of respect there, um, from me, from you, from the city of Atlanta, and this just makes me think of like one thing. Um, I went to a Hawks game, and this was shortly after we um we lost Al Horford, and so I went to that game where Horford like it was his first game back in Atlanta, and there were fans booing and like it didn't feel like it was about Horford. It felt like, you know, it's the opposition or whatever, but like I was sitting in the stands and I almost like, I, I just like got in this argument with this guy that was sitting nearby. I was like, are y'all kidding? It's Horford. He's one of us, you know, like we could never ask for like a better character. You know, he's, he always gave his all to the city and everything. And a guy was like, but he's the enemy now. I think at for certain players at a certain point, you show that respect, you know, like obviously you don't want that team to win when they come to your arena, but for the player that gave so much to your city, you show love for You show respect for You applaud when they come back. And so when the Dodgers come, and unless I'm missing, that's going to be June 24th um, when the Dodgers come to Atlanta, I expect and demand a warm welcome for Freddie because he more so than any Braves player I can think of deserves it.
0: Yeah. And regardless of the whole, he said, she said thing that's been going on in terms of why they weren't able to agree on a contract. I know a lot of people have a a lot of strong opinions about it. I would hope that he would get resounding cheers and sure. Maybe it would be different if we didn't win the world series last year. Not going to lie. If we, if we had lost to the Dodgers in the playoffs, and he ended up joining them the next year. That gives me Kevin Durant vibes. Man. I was just about to say that's, that's snaky. Like it would have been completely different, but the fact that we did freaking win kind of makes it okay. Like it's still sad, but like I'm, I know that I'm sure tickets to that game are crazy expensive, but I know that if I was going to go, I would be cheering for him for sure. Give him that, you know standing ovation that he deserves for all the time um for toiling away when the Braves sucked too like he was the one player that stayed and was there from kind of carried the the torch from like Chipper Jones all the way to now where i guess it's going to be like Acuña or maybe it'll be Matt Olson who knows we've seen two franchise icon Atlanta franchise icons leave and you know it's kind of feels like a new era, especially after coming off of the world series championship. You know, maybe this will be, this is, it's just a big change from what we've been used to for so many years. So it'll be interesting to see the, the Braves season this year. Obviously I'm really excited about that. As I mentioned before, the Falcons can't say I'm quite so excited. I am intrigued to see what the hell they're going to look like. Uh, I can't imagine it's going to be to, uh, too pretty. But in terms of the future, I think this was the right move. I think that will just about wrap up this first segment, which typically off the top is like 10 minutes. We're way past that now. But we definitely wanted to talk about, of course, Matt Ryan and Freddie Freeman leaving us being in Atlanta, Atlanta sports fans, all that. So of course, there were way, way more NFL transactions, free agent signings, trades, all of that, that We would love to break down, but we've got to talk about March Madness instead with our remaining time on the podcast about our brackets, what we've seen so so far, and just kind of a good conversation about it and, and what to expect moving forward. So we'll do that when we come right back.
1: All right, so March Madness. Let's just address Elfin in the room. I know everyone's thinking about it. The University of South Carolina women's team dominance listen now they let in 21 points in their first game against Howard and then let in 33 in their next game against Miami so there you go they're beating down one of your most hated teams Um, so that's a total of 54 points allowed in their first two games combined which in case you're wondering is a record the previous record was 71 so they shattered that record. Um, I feel good. I picked uh, South Carolina to win my women's bracket. But we're going to talk about uh, the men's bracket. It's just what we've paid more attention to. Sorry. But I would feel bad not mentioning that. Because that stat is just otherworldly insane.
0: Yeah. That, isn't, that is crazy. The defensive dominance.
1: Now... I'm just going to take a a shot here. When I started off and said, you know, elephant in the room, we're all thinking about it. Let me bring up the thing that I think that you would expect me to be talking about. St. Peter's beat Kentucky. Goodbye, Calipari. Oh, it's not
0: even what I thought you were going to say. Oh, can I try again? (laughs) Sure. Third time's a charm.
1: Michigan's in the sweet 16, baby.
0: Oh, that's I, also I don't care not. if that's
1: not I don't care if that's not where you're going with that going with that. We'll come back to St. Peter's. Michigan. Yeah. Hail to the victors. Sweet sixteen. Y'all ain't believing me. Tennessee. Later. I, I'm sure. Okay. Pause. We're recording this before Thursday night's game. And you guys are listening to this after Thursday night's game. And we play Villanova. And I just feel. I hope I'm wrong. I I just feel that karma is going to punch me in the face. Like, oh yeah, you got on your little podcast and celebrated Michigan? Yeah, here's a big fat L at the hands of Villanova. But I don't care. In, In the time that we're recording this, I can still be hyped. Villanova is actually the team that beat us in the championship back in 2018 by some players that will not be named tonight. So maybe we can get our revenge. I will say that just the other night, our women's team moved on by beating Villanova. So it's possible that both the Michigan men's and women's teams could beat Villanova in the same week. So I'm hyped for Michigan, uh, Hunter Dickinson, my man's been balling. Uh, just give it to my man on the block. He knows what to do with it. And also step out and hit that three Jawan Howard, uh, Thankfully, he was not suspended for the postseason as well. Um, He's he's getting better uh, PR looks on the sidelines, hugging the opposing players.
0: You can't tell me that wasn't scripted. You can't tell me he didn't have that plan to come in and just be like, all right, PR moment. Let me take a page out of LeBron's book real quick.
1: Considering Jawan Howard was teammates with LeBron in Miami, (laughs) yeah, um, all I'll say to his defense there is that, like, his son, Jace, actually did play AAU ball with with um Kennedy Chandler. So like he does know the guy. Uh he know he does know the kid that he was hugging. So at least there's that. But yeah, Jawan Howard's been doing a great job coaching. Our team has been resilient. We've trailed in both of those games and we're uh we're able to come back um and survive big runs. Devontae Jones, uh has missed time with injury, uh, didn't play the first game, did not play much in the second game. Uh, And the emergence of our freshman guard, Frankie Collins, in his absence has been fantastic. And we're still not even clicking on all cylinders. Caleb Houston has not looked very good. So we still have room to grow in this game against Villanova. I'm very hopeful, very optimistic. So we'll see how that game plays out.
0: Congrats to you, Mike, in Michigan. Uh, I thought that Y'all you know, were going to lose to Tennessee, like a lot of people did. Um, and I think the numbers, the eye test, the run of form, all of that, it made sense. But Michigan found a way to win, so props to to them for making the Sweet 16 again. That's some good consistency there. And, you know, yeah, it's Villanova. Maybe time to exercise some demons um, for that program, uh, but... Looking at some of the other games that have, or some of the other big results that have happened, um, one thing that I wanted to point out was in my bracket, I had Auburn getting upset in the round of 32. Unfortunately, I thought it was going to be by USC and not by Miami. Um, But my thought was going into it that Auburn was a very young team. Very reliant on one player whose whole game is reliant on making a bunch of really like difficult contested jumpers. <laughs> um, and it all it was going to take was for one bad night or for them to just kind of get cold from three, whatever, and they could end up having a pretty tough time. And that is actually what happened. I, you got to feel. Actually, let me take that back. You do not have to feel bad um, for Jabari Smith, but like that guy had a really good season um, for them. Kind of came out of nowhere to be one of the, you know, one of the surprises of the season. To be honest, and Auburn was one of the surprises of the season. It just didn't really work out, um, and it just took one bad game, and that's what happens in March Madness. One one bad game, and you're out. So. That was one upset that I was expecting. Unfortunately, it was Miami, and Miami makes a Sweet 16, which, you know, go Iowa State, which props to them. Nobody's really been talking about them. But, I mean, they dispatched of an LSU team that I thought looks pretty good in the regular season. And then Wisconsin, which I'm really shocked that Iowa State dispatched them as well. So... I know everybody wants to talk about St. Peter's and rightfully so. And we will talk about them in a minute, but you know, shout out to Iowa state number 11 seed, making the sweet 16 and pulling out some close games there as well. So shout out to them.
1: Yeah. About Iowa state. I will say I did pick them to be LSU, but I thought Wisconsin would be where they just met their match. No, they handled them. I mean, they survived that close game and now they get Miami and I would just, I would just say that this might, this Miami-Iowa State matchup, you know, wherever you pick the upsets, I know we certainly, neither of us expected this to be the matchup going into the Elite Eight, Iowa State and Miami. um, Yeah, I also, I agree. Iowa State, let's go. Um, As for St. Peter's, just interesting fact, none of their players were ranked as recruits coming out of high school. These are like a bunch of guys that just like, I mean, it sounds harsh, but they settled for St. Peter's. I'm sure most of them would have just wanted to play elsewhere, you know, and like just didn't have the high school careers that they wanted, whether that's due to lack of exposure or just like they didn't produce like they would have wanted to. And so they end up at St. Peter's and they wanted it more. Now, my thought going into uh, March Madness as it related to Kentucky was, Oscar Shiboy is just too much of a beast. And, you know, I'm not explaining why I picked Kentucky to be in St. Peter's. I feel like that's a given. I'm explaining why I picked Kentucky to go to the final four. I thought that Shibwe was just too consistent. His game wasn't as reliant on like tough shots falling and more reliant on his just physicality, banging inside, snatching boards. And I thought that would be enough to carry Kentucky through a lot of these opponents. And he did his thing against St. Peter's, 30.16 boards. Like, you really can't ask more out of him. But St. Peter's weathered the storm, multiple guys scoring 20-plus against them. Uh, a lot of guys contributing with, like, eight, nine points, uh, sharing the ball, a lot of guys with several assists, several boards. Uh, They came together, and while not one particular player for them had a bunch of rebounds, I'm just looking down, And everyone had at least one. Their guards were crashing the glass. Um, They're all sharing the ball. They're playing together as an organized unit. And that's what makes them dangerous. It's what uh, helped propel them past Murray State. Their communication is there. This is a team that's motivated. This is the Cinderella of this year. Um, And against Purdue, who... I mean, yeah, Purdue beat Yale by 22, then beat Texas by 10. But Murray State looked good, uh, and Saint Peters beat them by ten. There's no reason that Saint Peters can't beat Purdue. I mean, I'd be shocked if they did, but it's possible,
0: so we were shocked that they beat Kentucky, yes, and Kentucky was seeded one higher, although I will say one thing: there is a reason that we can believe that St Peters won't beat Purdue, and that's because Purdue's in the final- in my final four, so that's not gonna happen um. <laughs> But I did want to mention one thing going back to that Kentucky St. Peter's game, one name that's been brought up and I'll just be honest and say a lot of like, I love March Madness. I think it's awesome. Uh, One major thing that I look for is draft prospects. Who's going to, you know, who's going to be drafted in the upcoming um, class and all that. And one guy stood out in a particular, not in a good way, Ty Ty Washington um, for Kentucky had, a absolutely horrible game and just really showed a lot of his, his weaknesses. I mean, he had several lapses on defense and that was kind of one of the, uh, the issues with him uh, that scouts were looking for. He didn't shoot well. I mean, he shot two of 10 from the field, two turnovers to one assist just kind of seemed like he wasn't ready for that big moment. Um, And ever since he had that injury, a couple months ago, he just hasn't really been the same player. So, yeah, um, I think a lot of the other players did their thing, but I'm going to put the blame on on Washington, and he's just going to be another one of those Kentucky guards. I mean, we've seen how how, how many of them have we seen in the past, um, not be drafted super high because of the system at Kentucky. I know that me and a lot of other people were looking at at him. To see like, all right, can you perform under the pressure? Can you show why you should be a top 10, top 15 pick? I just don't think that that'll be the case moving forward for him. I think that was a poor enough performance to say maybe he's not ready. But again, with Kentucky's system and the way the NBA works, a lot of the time Kentucky guards have been more successful in the NBA than they were in college because of the extra space that you have um, in the NBA. So, we'll see, but it was definitely a disappointing performance by Washington, for sure.
1: Absolutely. The thing is, like, a lot of these um, scouts are going to look at, there's a reason he went to Kentucky, right? He was a high prospect coming out of high school in the first place. There's a reason we've been looking at him all year. Maybe we forgive him for this one game. But I'm of the opinion that you should like take this into consideration. Oh, he had a a bad game against a team that they were supposed to beat. Handily, actually. And, you know, the first game when it like really matters, that's when he doesn't show up like that feels like a yellow flag to me. Now I'm looking at this UNC UCLA matchup. And I mean, UCLA got to the final four last year and they went, they went from first four to final four. Of course they made Michigan a victim of that run, but you know, this is a well-rounded team. Uh, whether that's Johnny Juzang, uh Jamie Jaquez, Tiger Campbell, like these I mean led by these three guys, but this team altogether just works well as a unit and doesn't really rely on the heroics of one player, typically speaking. And that is a formula for success, but I'm looking at UNC. No team has scored more in their first two games than UNC. They put 95 down against Marquette beating them by 32, and that was an 8-9 matchup. Like, this isn't a 2-15. Uh, which, I mean, we see what happens with 2-15s Kentucky-St. Peter's. But then they proceed to play Baylor, the one seed, and beat them 93-86. to Like, this team's dropping over 90 both games, and then they uh, go to face UCLA. UCLA has scored... Uh, they scored 57 in their game against Akron. And then they scored 72 against St. Mary's. If UNC keeps this up, UCLA just doesn't seem to have the firepower to keep up with with the Tar Heels.
0: Although you could also look at it from the other side and say UCLA UCLA only allowed 53 points to Akron and then 56 to St. Mary's. So that defense has been way more on point than what UNC's has been. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. I have UCLA beating North, North Carolina and making it to the Elite Eight. Um, I really like their, like you, I mean, you kind of stole some of my talking points. <laughs> um, I really like the fact that they aren't based on any one player. I think teams that are, it's very risky. Um, and we've already talked about that plenty of times. Uh, but I'm hopeful that UCLA can pull it through. UNC has definitely been very impressive. I mean, to be honest, they <laughs> that game against Baylor should have been tied up with the bow and um, they should have been on to the sweet 16 way easier than they made it. Um, the fact that Baylor came back and almost won that game, that, that was kind of nervy um, for sure. And of course it didn't help that they had that ejection and all of that, but they, to be fair, they did make it through that and still managed to to win the game. seems like they're just riding that momentum of <laughs> beating Duke and, Coach K's final, <laughs> final home game all the way through. But like I said, uh, I expected UCLA to to make it to the Elite Eight. I still think that that can be the case. But you're right, UNC has been pretty, um, pretty impressive so far.
1: We've talked about teams being impressive. I I think I realized what you were expecting me to lead off with at the beginning. Iowa. What the hell?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Richmond and no disrespect to Richmond. We had Iowa in the damn championship.
0: Mike and I did not create our brackets together at all. I had no idea which teams he was going to pick. Um we both individually made our brackets and then shared them with each other and we just both happened to have Gonzaga being Iowa in the championship game, which was kind of crazy, actually, because we didn't even really talk about it at all. Yeah. Like, what are the odds? But yeah, but I mean, Iowa had been one of the hottest teams in the country. Keegan Murray had been absolutely balling out of his mind. And the freaking spiders. I mean, I know Mike isn't a big fan of spiders. I imagine that <laughs> he's definitely not now. Um, but yeah, that was I mean, I, I was watching the box score of that game or like the game cast or whatever, going back and forth. And I was just like, Oh boy, come on, Iowa. You should be scoring a lot more points in this now. And they just could not pull it through. um, Which was, I was just pretty tough to take. I mean, Keegan Murray did have an okay game, 21 points, nine boards, eight of 15 shooting, but it just wasn't enough. Uh, Richmond had just enough, especially from, Um, this guy, Jacob Gilliard, is just, they were just able to outplay him. And that was, it was like, well, after the first day, I already know my bracket sunk. Um, just still doing okay. But you know, that it's just going to be tough to see Iowa's name keep cropping up each for each round.
1: I think we both would have expected better than two of eight shooting from Jordan Bohannon. But, um, Tyler Burton also had a good game for Providence. Uh, dropping that double-double, and 9 of 10 at the free-throw line. Richmond, good for you. I'm glad you got bounced by Providence. That's what you get for messing up my bracket on first freaking day. Obviously, this team is not one that I have in the championship, but I do just want to like mention them as well. Texas Tech is a team that I have a lot of respect for. They let in 62 against Montana State and then 53 against Notre Dame. I expect them to beat Duke and I expect them to have a a competitive game against Gonzaga after that. But Texas Tech's defense, if it's not the best in the country, it's freaking up there. I feel like it's easy to get caught up in the offense. Who are the real, like, sharpshooters? Who are the high scorers? Who can operate in the paint? I was talking about Hunter Dickinson earlier. But defense doesn't get talked about that much, especially team defense. And Texas Tech just knows how to do it. And that's, like, they were one of the... uh when I was making my bracket, which obviously, you know, it's not like gospel or anything, but that was one of the <laughs> toughest teams for me to place because I was just like, this team could realistically beat anybody if they can make their opponents play at their pace, which they're really good at doing. So don't be surprised if Texas Tech goes even further than you, you may originally expect, and we may have had them in their in our bracket. This team plays defense with a purpose. And I just want to give them some shine before
0: we move on. For sure. They've been pretty impressive, but they're going to run into this Duke team. Um, You know, storylines are, have been written out. Coach K's final run. Can they do it for him? So far they've, they've managed to that game against Michigan state was pretty tight right up until the very end. Um, And they managed to come through and hit some clutch free throws and, and just pull away right at the end. But Texas Tech-Duke, honestly, I'm looking at the remaining matchups, and I think that one might be the toughest to call for me. Um, I, I had Texas Tech moving on in my bracket, but I would not be surprised at all to see Duke win, and there would be a huge Gonzaga-Duke matchup in the Elite Eight. That would be pretty interesting to watch. But, yeah, I do think Texas Tech will pull through, but I can't be too mad if Duke does because, you know, Coach K is, is a legend and um, it would be kind of cool to see him make it really far and potentially even win in his last season. That that game and then one other matchup where we haven't really talked about, um, Arizona and Houston. Houston's been very impressive so far as well. Uh, they knocked off UAB 82-68. to Then they knocked off Illinois 68-53 to uh, in a game that I thought would probably be a, bit, be a little bit closer. They've been playing lights out. Arizona, meanwhile, had a pretty close call against TCU. Wasn't sure that they were going to win that one. Went to overtime, and Arizona just barely managed to pull through. So it's always interesting to see those types of games where, sure, they got taken down to the wire and they managed to pull through. Does that mean that they're a little more vulnerable than we thought? Or does that mean that that's building character, and it's gonna help them in close games moving forward. I'm not sure, but I know Houston's gonna be probably their toughest test yet.
1: Yeah, I agree. Houston's been doing really well. And they and not just this season, like the past few seasons, Houston has been on a on a great path, very well coached, very consistent. I think they will give Arizona a run for their money. I think this matchup could go either way. I'd probably still pick Arizona, but wouldn't be like too, too stunned if Houston were to win that game. Arizona, as a one seed, does have like a tough road ahead of them, looking forward because then they do have to play that the winner of that Michigan Villanova game realistically, I think Villanova would win that, but Michigan bias aside is better than their seed suggests um like Michigan is not playing like an eleven seed um so don't let that seeding fool you um realistically, we're playing more along the lines of like a five um if it helps you to like conceptualize the difficulty of that matchup. So they, they would have to go on to play either a, a two or a team acting like that. Um, so Arizona's got a, a tough run for them. Like all four sections of the bracket still have so much variance like in front of them. Like We don't know what's going to happen. And that's the beauty of March Madness. But based on what we have now, if you had to just edit your final four, since we can't have
0: Iowa in it anymore, what final four would you go with from at this point? I mean, the Midwest is the reason why my bracket ended up getting busted for sure. Kansas, Iowa, Wisconsin, and USC in the sweet 16. And then I had Iowa and Wisconsin in the elite eight. And then I had Iowa and Arizona (laughs) in the final four. Um, So, I mean, I would probably just go with Kansas as the default from the Midwest. Instead of Iowa, of course, I'll still probably roll with Arizona, though they did look kind of shaky in that TCU game, and I would not be shocked if Houston beat them. And if Houston did win, then I'd probably pick Houston to go to the Final Four instead of Michigan or Villanova. Elsewhere, I had Purdue making the Final Four out of the East. That's not a team that we've talked too too much about. Um, we mentioned them briefly earlier. They've had a pretty impressive run so far. I haven't really been tested too much. Um, And they've got St. Peter's, which, again, that could be a bit bigger of a test than we thought it would have been. But they've got to be pretty happy with that instead of Kentucky, which everybody would have thought. So barring another spectacular upset, they're going to make it to the Elite Eight. And, you know, UCLA, North Carolina, both of them have shown that that they are final four material as well this year. But I'll stick with Purdue. I'm just going to stick with my guns on that. Um, And then, of course, Gonzaga, which has probably been one of the more disappointing teams so far. That's actually made it this far, I should say. Barely squeaked it out against Memphis. They've got all the talent in the world, but there is kind of that cloud hanging over them. Can they finally win one with all this talent? At one point or another, one of these stacked teams needs to be able to make it all the way. So, you know what, I'm just going to stick to the three that are still in it right now as we're recording this. And then I'll just replace Iowa with Kansas who has looked pretty good. They had a bit more of a close call against Creighton, but um I thought they showed a lot of resilience in the, the second half and were able to pull away. So I'll just go with those four, which are Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona, Kansas. My bracket got busted up everywhere,
1: uh, pretty much everywhere except the West. Um, I will lament that we like i wish I wish we could wait longer to see a Gonzaga Texas Tech matchup. I do think both of those teams are gonna go to the elite eight um I just wish if they were gonna play each other it would it could be like a final four matchup but or even a championship game. I think it would be a great game, but I'll still pick Gonzaga out of that uh the East. I like Purdue, but I'm feeling good about UNC right now. Uh, They're coming off like dethroning the one seed in Baylor. Uh, they scored 93, and Baylor's defense isn't like bad. I think they just have the firepower in to like overwhelm a lot of teams. So I'm going to put them in the final four at- coming out of the East. Looking at the Midwest, pfft, uh, <laughs> I mean, I like your logic about Kansas. I'll probably just like follow suit there um, just by default, you know, um, since we can't pick Iowa. Providence, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll I'll go with Kansas as well from from the Midwest and then the South. Obviously, you already know my heart is saying Michigan. But if I were a gambling man and I had to give you like my best guess, Villanova. Um, I think Villanova plays like mistake free enough. I think that's what makes them such a tough contender, is that they don't beat themselves. You have to like bring it to them. Um Arizona relatively unconvincing as far as one seeds go Houston while fairly consistent they have been prone to make mis- like costly mistakes in the past uh looking at the past like I know that every the team changes every year but like the, looking at the past couple years that's what's haunted them are a lot of those like late game mistakes and um that's even come back to, that has come back to bite them in the butt multiple times this season Villanova is just not the team to make those kind of mistakes so I guess I'd pick Villanova. So between my heart and my head, I'm saying whoever wins that matchup between Michigan and Villanova would be Final Four bound uh, to go along with Kansas, UNC,
0: and Gonzaga. So Kansas and Gonzaga would be the two that we would agree on. And then I have Purdue and Arizona. You would have Villanova and UNC. So we'll see. That wraps up our coverage of March Madness so far, what, we, what we're what we expecting moving forward. It's been a great tournament, as it always is. And we'll see what happens. I'm sure more madness will ensue. uh, But when we come back, we'll get into the hot seat and the fun fact.
1: The time has come for a consistent, important, and always appreciated segment of the Mike and Dave podcast. And that is the coveted by us, not coveted by the recipient, hot seat. And we talked about... NFL failure earlier. And what's more synonymous with that than the Cleveland Browns? You might be thinking, "Wait, the Browns just got Deshaun Watson. How are they on the hot seat?" That's a that is a major upgrade at the quarterback position. I'll tell you how. I'm glad you asked. They were looking for something very specific, and their in the quarterback that they were uh that they wanted to get, aka the guy that would start instead of Baker Mayfield moving forward. And that was quote, an adult at quarterback. Yeah, that gets you on the hot seat. So <laughs> you've had Baker for like four years. Dude's like 25 years old, clearly legally and biologically an adult, but uh-uh. The attitude, they've had enough. So he has rubbed someone the wrong way in that organization. And uh, Dave, you were saying this a second ago before we started recording, but his value has never been lower. Now they they can't get a pick for him. Now they're now teams are requiring that they add a pick to the, that package to get them, like to incentivize them to take him off their hands. Like
0: <laughs> how far they fall. I mean, that there are several things to break down here with this particular situation. You've got. The Browns, who are just kind of a laughing stock anyway, you've got Baker Mayfield, who is mostly a meme due to all the commercials that he does, but that aren't really warranted because he doesn't actually do anything that good on the field.
1: Stephen A. Smith is famous for this line about Baker having more progressive commercials than wins, which I think applied until this past
0: season. But still, that's still not a good look. And then you have Deshaun Watson, who maybe legally would be considered an adult and is being a considered an adult in the court of law. Um, I don't know if you want to replace a guy like Baker Mayfield, who by all accounts is not the most mature guy with a guy who is currently still under investigation for sexual assault I'm sure that you've heard about this whole situation before if you're listening to this podcast. I just it just seems to be a pretty bad look to use that that verbiage to describe Deshaun Watson at this point versus Baker Mayfield. Maybe, you know, the truth will will come out, I hope, um, either way on that whole situation. It's just it's a sad situation to to me. Um as far as Baker Mayfield goes. I kind of feel bad for the guy. I never thought I would say that, but this dude was playing injured all of last year. Now he, I mean, he tried, he struggled. And he, 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 I mean, he, he did struggle, uh, but at least he was out there like fighting for his team. And now, I mean, in terms of uh, teams who need a quarterback, I mean, apparently he wanted to go to the Colts. That's not going to happen now that Matt Ryan's been traded there. The Seahawks are apparently fine with Drew Locke, which I don't know. Maybe Pete Carroll needs to retire if he thinks that's the case. Um, you know, the Panthers are apparently not interested. the The Falcons signed Mariota. I mean, the the list of of destinations is pretty pretty much run dry. Who knows where where Baker's going to end up? And because of the way they stru- they structured Watson's contract, they could just have Baker Mayfield be the backup quarterback. <laughs> Apparently, if teams need them to package him with a draft pick in order to get him off their hands, like why not just keep him as your backup and let him go into free agency? <laughs> it's kind of crazy how far they fall for a you know former number one overall pick.
1: And that might actually be the better
0: strategy because you know,
1: so you hold him or you you keep him around for a few months or whatever. Well, maybe there's a, a moderately competitive team who loses their quarterback due to injury. All of a sudden, they're thinking, we have a lot of pieces, but we don't have a quarterback and we and we need one to make a push this year. That team all of a sudden becomes a big buyer for a, a Baker Mayfield. Now they can actually like get something back for him instead of having to incentivize teams to take him off their hands. So... At this point, that's probably the best course of action, like you said, because of the Watson deal, they can afford to do it. Let his value go up a little bit,
0: and if if Watson ends up being suspended, which is very, you know, I would not be surprised if that does end up happening, then they can uh, at least they have Baker Mayfield as the backup quarterback. And as as much as Baker is like ridiculed and we've kind of been you know roasting him a little bit, Baker Mayfield's. Probably the best backup quarterback in the league, <laughs> like let's not let's not go crazy here, like he's not bad. um, he's just not obviously that desirable that that could also be a reason for keeping him around. I'm just wondering, is that relationship too far gone to where Baker's just like, "I won't even play for you guys anymore, which considering how the Browns have handled it, I wouldn't blame him to be honest. I mean, they've really thrown him under the bus. It's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I wouldn't blame them either. I wouldn't want to play for a team that's like, yeah, we need an adult at quarterback. What I will say is, you look at the Colts having gotten, having just acquired Matt Ryan, they got an adult at 36 years old. But when Baker, like Baker wanted the Colts, Matt Ryan also liked the Colts, and the Colts went for Matt Ryan because, you know, Matt Ryan is a seasoned vet who, He knows what he is. He knows what he can do. He knows his limitations. Um, I think he was trying to do too much in Atlanta, but he had to, right? (laughs) Who else was going to do it? Um, I think the Colts made the right move there.
0: It it is just a sad situation for Baker. Where is he going to go? Who knows? We'll see what happens with that whole situation, but Browns definitely deserve to be on the hot seat after this whole mess. And I mean, in some respects, the Falcons deserved it too for how they handled Matt Ryan and that whole situation. And you could argue any team that was in on Deshaun Watson could potentially be on the hot seat because of all these pending allegations that we still don't really know um, what's going to what's going to happen or what the NFL is going to do. So stay tuned. I'm sure that there's more to come from um, from this whole situation.
1: Stay tuned indeed for wherever you get your news regarding the NFL, because I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you like to hear our analysis our brilliance, all that. But I'm sure you get your, uh, news updates from other sources in the interim, like between episodes coming out. But what you can't get in that interim is Dave's fun fact. What do we got this week?
0: You can get fun facts, but not my fun fact, which is a lot more fun than your typical fun fact. If I do say so myself, which I do shots fired. Now my fun fact for this episode is that it was just announced that the New York Knicks have a new owner. It's not James Dolan anymore. It's Trey Young, baby. Suck it, Knicks. Let's go. Hawks, take the dub over the Knicks tonight. (laughs) Trey goes off for 45 points, shuts him up in the garden. Sit down, Spike Lee, go home. Who's your daddy? Let's go.
1: Okay, so being the huge Hawks fan that I am, that's my favorite fun fact that we've had so far. I mean, episode twenty three is about the the incest blocker was out of this world, certainly out of this continent. But yes, you you had me going for a second. I was like, new owner, good riddance, James. Oh, Trey Young. Hell yeah. Let's go. Yes, sir.
0: To be fair, I did have an actual fun fact planned out for this episode, but I think I'm just going to move it back to uh, episode 25 because I'm good with that. Shout out Trey Young, who's the only guy left out of those three franchise icons, which I guess you could call Trey Young an icon already. Maybe you know, maybe you can't. I don't know. But he's the only guy left. He went off and had himself a knight. The Big Apple. So shout out to Trey Young. That's what I got for this week.
1: Hey, I like it. After saying goodbye to Matt Ryan and Freddie Freeman, we could use some some good news on the ATL sports front. As far as Trey Young being an icon, I mean it's still early into his career, but he's clearly the future of the Atlanta Hawks. So give it a few years. He stick if he sticks around, yeah. Atlanta icon, one of the best players that the Hawks have had in my lifetime
0: for sure. And from everything that I've seen, it seems like he wants to stay in Atlanta. Um you know, he signed that huge extension and everything. So, theoretically, as long as the Hawks continue to be competitive and add pieces around him, he could be in in, in Atlanta for, you know, maybe maybe the next decade, maybe the next 6 to to 8 years, who knows. But yeah, hopefully we see that happen. Um, and that, I think that's going to wrap up this episode, um, definitely more of an emotional one, especially at the beginning saying goodbye to Matt Ryan and Freddie Freeman like we did. Um, we definitely wanted to give that, like make that take precedence over all the other stuff that was going on in the sports world, um, the last week or two, but March is a pretty cool time to be a sports fan because, Baseball is starting to back up. You got the NFL off season. You got March Madness NBA final, like home stretch. Um, I'm sure golf and tennis are being played somewhere in the world. The masters is coming up. Actually. Yeah. The masters is coming up. There's as actually coming to the end of um, soccer, like their you know, like the regular season, I guess in soccer in Europe and MLS. Atlanta United's back. Um, Speaking of Atlanta icons, Joseph Martinez, um, my guy. But anyways, so we wanted to shout out Matt Ryan and Freddie Freeman and Trey Young, I guess, <laughs> while I was at it. And um, yeah, and then we're excited to continue watching March Madness. I'm sure you will be as well. Um, of course, our predictions might <laughs> already be, be done by the time you're listening to this, but hopefully we got everything right. Or I should say, at least I did. Um, and yeah, we'll be looking forward to to seeing how the rest of the tournament plays out. And of course, we've got, we were talked about some NFL news, but the NFL draft is coming up. So be on the lookout for a podcast covering that very soon. Not sure if it'll be the next one or the one after that. Um, but sometime in April, we'll definitely be covering that. So stay tuned for that one.
1: Let us know how your bracket's going. Let us know... Uh, your thoughts on anything we've talked about, and if you're an Atlanta sports fan, wish your uh, or send your farewell thoughts to Freddie Freeman to Matt Ryan, or if you're randomly a Colts fan, how do you feel about getting Matt Ryan? Any of this stuff, you can interact with us on our social, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod. Uh, We're always looking forward to interacting with you guys there. Also since this was the Mamba episode, episode 24. Next episode, 25, the quarter century mark. If you remember one of our patterns, every fifth episode, we break out a top five. Do you have thoughts um, about top fives that you want us to do? Let us know that on social as well. Maybe, just maybe, we'll take your thoughts into consideration.
0: It's not a guarantee, but we will look at it (laughs) and we will appreciate your feedback.
1: If not on the next episode, a future episode with the top five. For sure. So,
0: yep, that about wraps up this episode. If you are feeling like it and you haven't already, make sure to give us a five-star rating slash review on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, all that. Make sure you're subscribed to us. We appreciate the support. And that'll about do it for us for this episode
1: we appreciate you guys listening and as always this has been mike
0: and this has been dave and you've been listening to the mike and dave podcast